opportunity to, to uh, again minister uh, here at Antioch. There's no place I'd rather minister. To be honest with you, I love this church and I love uh, this body. And so I want to talk about, amen, uh, video specialist up there. If you could put one verse on the screen for me. Solomon, our Song of Solomon's chapter 2, verse 16. Man, people are like, Brother Barr, you're going to preach it. You're going to teach from the Song of Solomon? What on earth are you going to talk about? <laughs> Song of Solomon's chapter 2, verse 16. And uh, so, uh, just going to read this one verse. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your mercy and grace already in this place. I ask you, God, that you would speak to my mind and through my mind. Allow me to settle my thoughts so that I would hear your thoughts, God. Lord, I ask you to speak to us. Give us a heart to hear and a mind to receive your word, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not really going to teach from the Song of Solomon so much, is, but it's a foundation of what I want to talk about. The book of the Song of Solomon is really a, is a love story. It's a book of, about relationship. It's a relationship between the beloved and the beloved. And that's really what the story's about. There's a lot of analogies in there, allegories, all of those fancy uh, poetic words that you could use to, to describe the Song of Solomon's. But it really comes down to this relationship between God and the church, if I can say it that way. So it's about relationship. So I want, and what I want to teach Tonight, as I want to teach on this subject, I want to talk about the revelation of relationship. Okay, now that sounds like a very deep title. The revelation of relationship, okay? I promise you, it is not going to be that deep. <laughs> it sounds a whole lot deeper than it really is. But I do, I do think there's a revelation about relationship that I want to talk about tonight. Amen. Uh, someone said uh, that no man lives on an island, or no man is an island. And what were they saying? What, what was meant by that phrase? And and, uh, and, and basically that phrase is, is indicating that we, no matter what, we don't go through this life by ourselves. We, we don't go through life alone. We, we can't go through life alone. You can think of, in our, even in our society today, you can think of the, the most recluse, recluses of people, recluses of, that's not a word, but I'll make it up as I go. <laughs> you can think of, you know, parts of society that, you know, but even those to some degree cannot make it or cannot live without relationships. There's, 
always going to be relationships. Our lives touch others, and others touch our lives. We have relationships. We touch lives for the good, and we touch lives for the bad. Right? I wish I could say all of the touches that I've touched other people's lives, that all of those touches were good touches. But there's probably been some touches. There's been some interactions. There's been some, some happenings that were not always positive. But that's what relationship. Relationship, there's positive and there's negative. Amen? It's true, right? Uh, so I want to talk about this a little bit. What is, and it's okay, you can, you, can, you can answer this question out loud. It's not a trick question. What is the most important relationship in our lives? A relationship with God, okay? The, the most important relationship in our life is our relationship with God. Now, our relationship with God is multifaceted, right? I have a relationship with my Savior. I have a relationship with my Father. I have a relationship with my counselor. I have that relationship a lot. We won't talk about that. Because I often need a counselor. Not a therapist, a counselor. So my relationship with God, there's multi, it's a multifaceted relationship, but it's the most important relationship in my life. Do you agree with that? Amen. So uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to verse 5. And hereby we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Now, I don't really want to focus on what you may think I want to focus on in this particular passage of Scripture, but I do want to take at least a, a moment and reference it, okay? John tells us uh, in verse 3 that there is an easy way to gauge our relationship with God. God John says, if you want to gauge, if you want to benchmark, if you want to to measure your relationship with God, it's very easy to do. He says, we know that we know Him, or we know that we're in a relationship with Him, if we are doing what? If we're keeping His commandments, if we're following His word. John says, hereby, hereby we know that we know Him. We, 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 can, we have this litmus test of, our, of, of how much 
we know God. That word know there, it, it speaks of a lot of things, but one of the things that it speaks of, it speaks of a very intimate relationship. Let me say it this way. In the New Testament, it said that, that, that Mary did not know Joseph before Jesus was born. Okay? There's children in the house. We, we, we know what that means. We know what they know. And uh, so, so this word know here speaks of an intimate relationship. It's not talking about an acquaintance. It's, talking about, it's not talking about uh, someone that, that lives down the street from me and I wave to them as I drive by. You got any of those in your neighborhood? You know, you drive by, they wave, you wave. Don't have a clue what their name is. That's a guy with the red truck. He's got these three crazy kids. And his wife drives way too fast. You know, you, got, you know what I mean? That guy. It's not that kind of relationship. It, it says, we know, we know. We, 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 have, we can understand how much we know him by whether or not I'm keeping his word or following his commandments. But I, and and I'm not, I don't really want to talk about that, but I needed to mention it, okay? So we're talking about the relationship with God, okay? So without question, that, that it, it, I don't think I have to go into great detail, that the most vital relationship in our lives is this ongoing relationship between me and Jesus, between you and Jesus, okay? Uh, this relationship is the center of all other relationships. Will you, is that, will you agree with that? That this relationship or this relationship needs to be the center of all other relationships. And this relationship is the foundation for all other relationships. That's a little confusing. How can it be the foundation and the center? Because God is everything, always, all things, all places, all time. So he can be a foundation and the center all at the same time. But, but my point is that, that this relationship that, we, that I have with God is, first of all, my most vital relationship as an individual, as a person. I'm talking about me, Jim Barr, the most important relationship. I've got other relationships that are important, but the most important relationship is this relationship. And this relationship must govern or must be the foundation or must be uh, intertwined with the other relationships in my life. Now, I'm, I'm trying to make a foundation. All this is going to kind of circle back here in a minute, okay? And so, if those two statements are true, if it's true that, that, that my relationship with God is a foundational relationship in all other relationships, if, if it is true that my relationship with God is, is the... The, uh, that all of the relationships kind of circle or, 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 and are intertwined with that relationship, let me ask another question. How 
is my relation, how is the most important relationship affected by those other relationships? So this relationship that is the most important relationship and the relationship that is foundational to all other relationships, how is that relationship affected by those other relationships? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. In the King James it says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Okay, let's read that in the Amplified. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 in the Amplified says, Do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionship, communion associations corrupt and deprive good manners and good moral character. So what Paul is saying in, this, in his letter to the Corinthians, he's saying in this passage of Scripture that bad company or bad conversation is the, the King James word, affects the way we live. And the way that we live affects the way that we know God. So Paul was saying these, these relationships, these, these evil relationships, could have an effect on our relationship with God. This is all going to make sense in a minute. Give me a minute. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Hebrews 10 and 24 says, And let us consider one another to, to provoke unto love and to good works. Okay, so we see basically two sides of a coin, if I, if I, if I can say it that way. We see these, these not-so-good relationships, and then we see these other relationships where, where, where the writers tell us that iron should sharpen iron. That, that my relation, these relationships that I have, these, these relationships that are not the most important relationship, but they're the other relationships in my life. These relationships should sharpen me, and I should sharpen them. This relationship should work in such a manner that I am edified, and they are edified. I am built up, and they are built up. Have you ever sharpened a knife? What happens when you sharpen a knife? Anybody? What, what, what really happens? Well, you could cut yourself. That's true. What do you do? What are you doing? You're removing steel from the edge of the blade. So when... when Iron sharpeneth iron, 
when these other relationships, when, when the production, there's things that are being removed. There's things in these relationships that, 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 that should cost, that should bring about some removal, should bring about some, some, some cleaning, some, some polishing. You remove, okay, if you've ever sharpened a knife, you, you might start out sharpening a knife with a, with a uh, 40, 40 grit stone. That's going to take off that's going to take off some big chunks. That's going to hurt a little bit. That's going to get that knife shaped, but then but it's rough. It's, it's not smooth. It's you know, then you go to the next stone, and then finally you get to this really smooth, almost polished stone that you're running your blade against. And what it does is it's removing very fine, and it makes it, it not only removes, but it polishes. Our relationships should polish. They should bring out the brightness. They should bring out, I'm talking about relationships here, Okay. Hebrews said can, we, that let us consider one another and to provoke. Ha <laughs> ha! Does there people in your life to provoke you? Come on now. When we think of the word provoke, what do we think of? Let's just be honest. Man, that, pro, that brother just provokes me. That's what they say about Brother Barr. That Brother Barr, that brother will provoke me. I wish that most of the time when they said that, they were talking about this. <laughs> but I don't think that's always the case. But when, for us, the word provoke is a negative word, okay? But, but provoke just means to you know, to push, to, to cause, to, to move something to something. Well, well, Hebrews said, we need to provoke one another. But we need to provoke one another to love and to good works. That's, that's this relationship, okay? This is the relationship. So we've got our relationship with God and we got this relationship with others. In this relationship with others, there's the bad ones. We're not going to talk about those. We all have had them. We all may at some time have them temporarily. Sometimes you get into a relationship that you think is good. And then you wake up and say, oh, that's got to go. Now. You know, sometimes I, I, I have two children. They're grown. Somehow I've got a grandson that's graduating from high school. I have no clue how that happened, but I do. I hope he's not watching. The brother went to California last week for spring break. He needed to get away from a girl. I don't know the whole story. But there's trouble in paradise. I told my wife at 18, 
The brother just needs to say, you got to go. I got places to be. Ain't got time for the noise. <laughs> we're going to come to our place in life when, when we're going to have some of those, okay? But I don't want to talk about those. I'm talking about these provoking to good works relationships. Oh, Lord, come back. Ooh, skirt me. thought my notes were gone. and be like, oh, the people are in trouble now. So our relationships should make us better. And our relationships should make others better. You know, if you're in a relationship, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm get, I was getting ready to go from preaching to meddling. And that's not what I'm supposed to do. All right, so I'm going to go back to teaching. Amen. So our relationships, we should make, they should make us better. And we should be making other people better. Amen. Stick with me. It's going to make sense. I hope. But we live in a world, we live in a world where people do that other kind of provoking. We live in a world, we, we, and I'm not talking about this world, okay? I hope this isn't true about this world. But we live in a world that is all about provoking to anger. Provoking to chaos. Provoking to disorder. That's the world in which we live in. But thankfully, we're in the world, but we're not what? We're not of the world. Okay, so our relationships should be provoking each other to be closer to Christ. If you're in a relationship with someone, and I'm specifically talking about a godly relationship, if you're in a relationship and you are not provoking that, that other party to a closer walk with God, then, then we're going to talk about that, but something's wrong, okay? So our, our relationships with others, those relationships that that we should be provoking for better, that we should be strengthening, we should be sharpening, we should be provoking to good works. Are those relationships important to God? Do they matter to God? Okay, so we talked about this relationship and how this relationship is the foundational relationship of all other relationships, the most important relationship in our life. This relationship should, should, should be what, that all other relationships circle around this relationship. So the, now talking about this, this other, these other relationships, okay? Are they important to God? How important are they to God? In the New Testament, there's a phrase, love one another. And it's written 15 times in the New Testament. 15 times 
in scriptures, in the New Testament, we hear the phrase, we are directed to do this. We are directed to love one another. So God is saying this, I want you to love one another. He even says in one place, I don't have the verse here written, but he says in one place, how will people know that we're his disciple? How will they know? Because we have love one for another. Okay? So this, these relationships are important to God. I'm going to read three passages of Scripture, a little lengthy, but bear with me. And then I'm going to bring this to the crux of what I want to talk about. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. He that saith that he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he, whether he goeth, because the darkness, darkness has blinded his eyes. That's a strong passage of Scripture. John, 1 John says the next chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 to 16. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning. John says this is the message that you heard from the beginning. It's a foundation. Oh, there's that word again. It's a foundational message that we should what? Love one another. Not as Cain, who was of a wicked, who was that wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Or why did he slay him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Verse 13, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Ye know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. And John said this in the next chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And, his command, and this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. So my question was, these other relationships, are they important to God? John answers that question for us, I think, pretty explicitly. John tells us that 
if, if, if we say we love God, he says it two ways. He says one way, he says, if we say we're in the light, but we don't love our brothers, then guess what? We're in darkness. How do you think you're in the light when you're really in the dark? If I say I, I love God, he goes on to say, and I hate my brother. You know what? See, see here's, here's the, what's the word I want to use? Here's the denial. Here's the denial that we live in. The word that John talks to us about uses this strong word. It says, if I hate my brother, then I'm a liar. If I say I love God and I hate my brother, then I'm a liar. The word says, if I think I'm in the light and I hate my brother, then I'm in darkness. I don't hate them. I just don't like them. They just get on my nerves. So that scripture doesn't apply to me. Because I don't hate them. Denial. The word hate is a strong word, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't go look it up because this is, I didn't even think about this till just now. So we, we, we kind of bypass this, but the point is, it's not really what I want to talk about. I'm re- not really wanting to talk about that. What my point is, God thinks these other relationships are extremely important. Okay? We focus, man, I got, I got this, man, this relation, I got this relation, man, this, 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 oh, 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 oh. Don't you know? Me and Jesus, we are all good. We, 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 I got this. And he's got this. Don't mess with it. Mm-mm. And, and that's cool. But then we got this other stuff. And God says, I, I, I'm glad this is where it is. I'm, I'm glad you and me, we're right here. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm good with that. But there's something we got to talk about. John, can you help a brother out? I need you to write 1 John 2, 3, and 4. Here's what I need you to say to my people. If you think you're in darkness, I mean, if you think you're in the light, but you don't love your brother, 
you're not really in the light. You're all up in the shadow. And the shadow knows. Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Some people that just went. <sighs> so God is trying to tell us that he very much is desirous for us to understand the importance of these other relationships. To the fact that he makes some very strong words, okay? I'm not, I'm not really sure how well we comprehend. Now, this is, this is where I'm getting to this, to what I, what I want to call a revelation. It was for me anyway. Uh, I don't think we really comprehend how interwoven these two relationships are. Okay, so humor me for a minute. When I say two relationships, I'm talking about this one and any one of these, okay? We got all kinds of these, but let's just pick one. Let's pick the one between me and the lovely lady in the back of the room. Okay, that's one of these. It's kind of at the top of one of these, or the top of one of these, not kind of, oh, brother walking home. <laughs> Hope your thumb works, one of the top. So, <laughs> but, but these, so any one of them, okay, and this one. So we don't really comprehend how interwoven these relationships are. In our life, we, we don't really comprehend how the one affects the other, but not only does how one affect the other, but how one reveals something about the other. Many say they love, but do they really? Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. And 25 or 24, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bringest any gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. I thought in a way about this passage of Scripture as I was studying. I thought about this passage of Scripture in a way that I've never thought about it before in the past. I've always looked at this passage of Scripture, if I can say it this way, I've always looked at this passage of Scripture in a negative light. I've always looked at this passage of Scripture from a negative context. And what I mean by that is, is I've looked at that, that, that hey, if, if there's this thing going on, this, this negative slant, 
how God cannot receive my gift if there's conflict or contention between me and another. That's how I've always looked at this verse. I've looked at this verse as this verse is saying that if I come to the altar and there's this conflict in my, in my, between me and a brother, that God can't receive my gift. It's not really what it says, but that's what I've always, how I've always, that's how I've read this passage of Scripture. I come to the altar, I get to the altar, I got this thing going on between me and, and Brother Brown. And you know if it's between me and Brother Brown, it's my fault. But I got this thing going on between me and Brother Brown, and I come to the altar, and, and now God's not going to receive my gift because I got this thing going on with Brother Brown. That's how I've always read that passage of Scripture. That's how it's always went that way in my mind, okay? But, but I've looked, as I was looking at this passage, I, I looked at this passage from, from a different way, okay? And I, I'm not saying that's not, that's not applicable, but, but this, this phrase jumped out at me as I was reading and as I was studying. And the phrase is in, is in the first verse that we read there, it says, therefore, if, if you bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest. So I come to the altar. I come to this place where this relationship, I come into this relationship and I'm, I'm intersecting in this relationship. And as I come into this relationship, at that point, I remember there's something going on with Brother Brown. What caused me to remember? Let me, let, let me roll this scenario for you. I come to the altar on Monday. I, I'm in this relationship on Monday. Man, it's good. It's good. Having this relationship is good. I come to this, I come into this relationship. It's good. It's good. Man, it's good. It's good. I come to this relationship on Wednesday. I remember. This thing didn't happen Monday or Tuesday. This is something that's there. Okay, so I come into this relationship. What, what caused me to remember this relationship? I'm at the altar. God's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. And, I'm, and we're growing. We're, we're progressing. We're, we're having our relationship. And I get to this place, and God says, okay, I need to remind you about something. And he reminds me. Oh. He says, now, now go. I've reminded, I've, I've brought you to this place of remembrance. Now go fix this. And then come back. That, that totally changes that verse. Because now it's not this God scolding. No, you're not acceptable. You're not acceptable to me because of this. You got this thing in your life because so I cannot accept you. 
That's not what that verse is saying. I'm in this place of acceptance, and God says, now I need to remind you of something. Now go, now come back. There's not a rejection. There's not a turning away. There's there's a remembrance. And it's in his presence that causes me to remember. It's not... I'm not the source. Let's be honest, okay? If I got this thing going on, it's not my flesh saying, oh, you need to go fix that. And it's not the devil telling me I need to go fix that. It's the Holy Ghost saying, hey, okay, now, now you got this. We're good. Now you remember. So what does this say of my relationship with Jesus? It's positive. And I can receive his voice. So what, it's, what, it, what me being able to remember and go is saying that this relationship is working to a place where he can say to me, this relationship needs work. And that I go and work on that relationship, then I can come back. Now this relationship can now move on. Because I brought a gift. He can't receive the gift today. He could yesterday. He could the day before. But today he can't. Because he brought me, I've grown to a place. Do you hear what I said? I've grown to a place. Our relationship has progressed to a place that there's this thing that now he can't. I I, want to go further, but I can't go further with you, Jim, because you need to go fix this. And then when you fix that, come back, and now we can grow some more. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Some of you looking at me like I lost my mind. That's neither here nor there. So why does he remind us of this? Why does he first say reconcile, then return? It's almost like he's saying that my relationship with others has some bearing on my relationship with him. It's almost like he's saying that. (laughs) Almost. Why does he say that? Why does he say first go reconcile and then come back? Because he is the originator, I want you to hear what I say, then I'm going to explain it. Because he is the originator of two laws. He is the originator of the law of the harvest, and he is the originator of the law of perpetuation. Now I want to say, explain what I mean by that. So why does he tell me, hey, you need to go fix this thing with Brother Brown? Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, two more verses and I'm done. I might talk a lot, but two more verses and I'm done. I didn't want to give you too much hope. (laughs) Lord, forgive me. That was wrong. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. 
If ye forgive men of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men of their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father, or neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In Matthew 10 and 8, I'm just going to read part of it, the end of this verse. Matthew 10 and 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. Okay? So these, these two verses kind of help us understand there's the law of the harvest and the law of perpetuation. So what, what is the law of the harvest? When I say that, anybody know what I mean? The law of the harvest is whatsoever you sow, you reap. That's the law of the harvest, okay? And that's really what, that's really what Matthew chapter 6 is kind of talking about. It's talking about forgiveness, okay? And, that's, I, and I use that verse because it's about relationships. The Word of God teaches us that, that God can only forgive as much as we forgive, okay? So what came first, the chicken or the egg? What? So, so what came first? Me giving, no, no, no. <laughs> what came first? Me forgiving others or God forgiving me? Really, first thing is I came to a place of repentance. I came to a place where I realized I needed God to forgive me. Okay, and God forgives me. Okay, there, that's the beginning of this relationship. God forgives me, and that, that relationship starts. He brings me to a place where, where now he brings me to a place where there's other things I need forgiveness for, but now, now I've grown to a place I've got other things I need to get forgiveness for, or, or I'll explain that more in a minute. I need to get forgiveness for, but I'm not forgiving, so they're, they're, the, the law of harvest stops. Okay? Okay, I've got you this far, but now for more for, for me to continue to forgive, you gotta forgive. This is this this law of the harvest. Sow and reap, sow and reap, sow and reap. Okay? And it's not just forgiveness, it's love. Okay? What came first? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved us. We love God. Why? Why do we love God? Because he first loved us. Okay? So he loves us. We we know that God loves us. But God can only love us as much as we love. That's the law of the harvest. God, God, God's love is forever. God's love is eternal. God's love is without end. But God's love is limited to our ability to love. That's the law of the harvest. Because it's that relationship. If you say you love me, but you hate your brother, okay, it's, it's that law, it's that law of of. Get of sowing and reaping, that law of what, what, what I'm able, God has, God made a law, okay? When God puts a law into motion, God himself cannot violate the law. He's God. Okay, well, he's God. He can do what he wants. He did. He made a law. He did what he wanted. He made a law. The law, you can't violate it, and he won't violate it. Okay, does that make you feel better? I didn't say he can't. Don't say God can't. God can do anything. He really can't because he chose not to. So, so he, he says there's this, 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 there's this law. There's this law of 
and it correlates or it works along with the law of perpetuation. And the law of perpetuation is this. Freely you have received, freely give. There's, uh, there's two sides. There's a receiving and there's a giving, okay? So, here's, here's the revelation. Here's what I want to talk about. These relationships. This relationship and this relationship. Okay? This is how it works. I come to the altar and God tells me, we're, we're having this altar and in the altar God says, I need to do this. I come to a place in my life where I, I come to a place in my life where something happens and I can't love someone or I can't forgive someone. What does that say about my relationship with God? There's something that's going to tell me, okay? There's, there's, there's a study I do. I do this study on anger. Okay? And do you, how many people think anger is good? Only people other than Brother Isaac that are raising their hands are people that have been in my class. Okay? Does the Bible say that God gets angry? So if God gets angry, how can anger be bad? Is God bad? Then anger has to be good. Some of you are like, the brother has lost his mind. <laughs> I don't got time to go into it. But what, what the reality of this, anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is not an emotion of itself. Anger is a secondary emotion. Anger tells you something's wrong. What you are supposed to do with anger is you're supposed to say, why am I reacting this way? It's telling me something's amiss. Okay? That's, what, that's what's going on here. Okay? I come to a place and, and I can't forgive. I come to a place and I... Why, why does God bring me to that place? It's, it's because He wants to do more in my life. He wants this relationship here to become more what he wants it to be, but he can't because of something going on in my life. More often than not, the law of perpetuation says, if I can't give, why can't I give? Why can't I give? What is, what is the prerequisite to giving? Receiving. If I can't give forgiveness, if I can't give love, if I can't give these positive sharpening things in a relationship, if I can't give them, then what that's probably saying to me is I haven't been able to receive them. God brings me to a place in my life. I've been walking with God for 40 plus years. Okay, I got the Holy Ghost when I was 14 years old, somewhere around there. I really decided that I wanted to have a relationship with God when I was 19, and I'll be 60 this year. 
I've been walking with God forever. You would think by now the brother would have it worked out. But I don't. There's still things in my life where he brings me to a place that I've got to get over. I've got to get past. And I've got to come to a place with this particular thing where I've got to receive his forgiveness. I've got to receive his love. And how does he let me know that I'm not doing it? I'm not hearing it here. So he brings this into play. Let me do something over here. This relationship. I can't, why can't I forget? Why, 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 why? Okay, what's it telling me? Let's, let's, I'm not receiving. And if I'm not receiving, then I can't give. So these relationships, the relationship, what, what, what the word of God is, the revelation, if you will, God knows that these laws that he has set in motion, God can only forgive as much as we forgive. And we can only forgive as much as we receive forgiveness from God. That's the revelation of the relationships. They're there to tell us where we are. That's how iron sharpeneth iron. That's how we're provoked to good works. These relationships, it's sometimes, it's, we're, we're going to have some negative, we're going to have some, some discord, we're going to have some, in any of this, whatever this third relationship you know, at first, at first in my mind, I was seeing it like this. You know, it's this cycle. But it's, it's more like this. Receive, give, come back. It's this, this cycle, and, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. My relationship with God is predicated on my relationship with you. And my relationship with you is predicated on my relationship with God. I can only be one that sharpeneth iron in your life if I'm receiving some sharpening myself. I can only be someone that gives love if I receive love. Do you see what I'm saying here? So when, God, when I come to the altar, when I come and I bring my gift to the altar, and God says, remember this. However that works in your life. You just, you, you know when it happens. And, and when I say altar, I'm talking about more like what Brother Mott was talking about last week. Not talking about this line right here. Okay, I have an altar at my house. It's a chair that I sit in. 
Every morning, I get up in the morning, I make coffee, or I start the coffee. I get in the shower, I get out of the shower, I get dressed, I go get my coffee. I was going to say something about priorities, but that would have not been spiritual, so I won't do that. I get my coffee, then I go up and I sit in my chair. And I sit in my chair and I, and I talk to God. I might read the Bible, I might not. Him and I have a conversation. Sometimes I talk a lot, sometimes I listen a lot. Probably need to do more of the second. But that's my altar. That's an altar in my life. It's a place where I can communicate with God. And so I'm sitting there, and we're talking, and all of a sudden, he reminds me of something, of someone, of an event. And part of me wants to say, devil, get thee behind me. You know, because the devil's just trying to interrupt my, my, my altar. But you can, you can devil get behind me all you want. <laughs> it probably ain't the devil. Because the devil's real happy that Brother Brown's mad at me. Because <laughs> I was a knucklehead. <laughs> He's not. Him and, I, him and I are buds. So, so it reminds me. So why does he do that? Because he wants my time with him to become more productive. It's not just because of unity. That's important. It's because of how intertwined it's it's, that's why we have oikos. That's why the word of God says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves. That's why the word of God helps us to understand that we have to love one another. We have to forgive one another. Because God understands the law of the harvest and the law of perpetuation. And everything that God does in our life, how many have ever said this? How many have ever heard a preacher say this? You're going through something in your life because God wants to know what's in your heart. Have you ever said that? Have you ever heard someone say that? Does that make any sense? The word of God says God knows the end of a matter before the beginning of a matter. The word of God says that God is omnipresent, omniscient, all-knowing, filling all places, all space and time. Okay? God does not need Jim to go through a trial to know what's in Jim's heart. God is very much aware of what's in Jim's heart. And I grow to a place where he says, Jim, 
It's time for you to see what's in your heart. <laughs> I really wish we would skip this conversation, God. I don't go through a trial so he knows what's in my heart. You don't go through a trial with your brother or sister or wife or children because God wants to know what's in your heart. He wants you to know what's in your heart. And he wants you to do something about it. And he wants you to do something about it because he wants this relationship to get more. Because God, just like when Pastor talks about that verse that says, I have an expected end for you. It's God tugging on that string. I got to get you to where I'm leading you. And I'm not going to get you there today. I'm not going to get you there tomorrow. I'm not going to get you there next week. I'm just going to get you closer. In our relationships, I cannot get, this relationship can only go so far without this relationship. Because I can't receive from God unless I give. It's impossible. Let's stand. So, why? Why, why? why am I talking about the revelation of relationship? I think for two reasons. I have to, I, I have to be honest with you. There was a time in my life to be perfectly frank, there was a time in my life, and I hesitate. You know, you know the word of God. You know, people say, "Don't pay, don't pray for patience," right? People say that. Whether you pray for it or not, God knows you need it. So, whatever. But <clears throat> there's only one way to get patience, right? There's only one way to get it. Uh, so I, <laughs> I hesitate to make this statement because. Because I do. But, because uh, I love people so much. Uh, but there used to be a time in my life where I really struggled with forgiveness. And what I mean by that is I struggled with forgiving people. I struggled with it. I, I, I struggled with, you know, I would get angry with people and they, they I would just, uh, they irked me. They irritated me. There was one person in my life, and because we're live streaming, I won't talk about that person, but oh, Lord, this person. And uh, it was a struggle in my life. And, and, uh, and so God began to work on me, and, and God began to talk to me and, and help me to understand some stuff. Let me, let me ask you a question. And I'm going to use this as an example so I can finish. Is there anything that you can do that God will not forgive? Is there anything that you have done or that you may do that God will not forgive you for if you ask him to forgive you.
If you truly repent, if you really, if you, if, if you say, Lord, forgive me, is there anything he won't forgive you for? So I came to this revelation that I believe that. I said I believe that. And then God asked me this question. He said, then why are there things that this person has done in your life that you can't forgive? What makes you greater than me? And he wasn't being harsh. He wasn't being nasty. He was helping me to understand something. He was helping me to understand that his love is greater. Now, now that's, that's the crux of it, right? I'm not God. Okay? And so I can't love like God without grace. Okay? So I'm not, I'm, I'm, we know that. Okay? So I, I have come to a place in my walk with God, in my life, do people do things that make me mad? Yes. Do people do things that irritate me? Yes. But I'm, I'm pretty quick to say, ah, it really don't matter. It's not a big deal. I forgive that. Because that's what I want from him. That's what this relationship is. It's this perpetual, ongoing, and when I can't, okay, I just told you, I didn't want to say that because God, you know, God's still working on Jim to make Jim what he ought to be. It's a lifelong journey. <laughs> and, and so there's still things that he, he's going he's gonna to bring me to play. Something's going to happen. Someone's going to do something. And I'm going to want to choke them. And I'm not going to want to forgive them. And God's going to let me go to the altar a couple times, and then he's going to say, okay, Jim, remember this. And I'm going to have to, if I want this to work, I'm going to have to, you're right, God, I'm going to forgive. Because that thing was to tell me if something needed to be fixed in me. And it tells me something's working in me, okay? When something happens and I can forgive, then I can say, hey, this thing's working in me. We're not supposed to judge, right? Does the Bible say judge not? Not supposed to judge? Not supposed to judge one another? But guess who else you're not supposed to judge? Yourself. But you can be a fruit inspector. Can't be a judge. But you shall know them by their fruits. So you can be a fruit inspector. And sometimes you just got to inspect your fruit. And when it's bad fruit, this needs to be worked on. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for your mercy, your grace, your peace. God, I am so very thankful for relationship. Songwriter said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
I'm thankful that I was found. But I'm not just thankful that I was found. I'm not just thankful that you saved me. I'm not just thankful that you, that you brought me to a place. I'm thankful that you are concerned with every aspect of my life and that you have this thing in my life called relationship. And they are so important to you. They are, they are the, 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 the thing that kind of hinges our life together, if you will. It tells us things. It helps us to understand things. Lord, I would ask that somehow what I felt you gave me to say tonight somehow came through and would minister to the hearts. Lord, if I didn't say it the way everyone could receive it, then I ask you that your spirit would do what I could not do. Lord, that if I could not impart it the way that everyone needed to receive it, I would ask that your presence would do what maybe I could not do. And Lord, that this seed, this revelation of the importance of relationships would find a lodging place in our hearts and that you would bring it up. You would remind us. You would bring to remembrance the things in our lives so that we could become more like you, that I could sharpen my brother, my brother can sharpen me, that my relationships could provoke to good works and not provoke to evil. We're going to give you the praise and the honor. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. amen. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.